Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's the hold up? Do you need me to spell it out for you? It's G E I C O.com. That's where you save money. Geico.com. Can you believe it? It's finally here. It's the most wonderful time of the year, unless you get stressed out about how to pay for it. Savewithconrad.com can help you make this the best Christmas ever. You won't make a house payment for the next two months. That's right. Skip your next two house payments and use all that cash for your extra holiday expenses. And come next year, you're going to have a lower monthly payment. Don't put Christmas on a credit card. Pay your credit card debt off at savewithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Savewithconrad.com. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to Something to Wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. Bruce, what's going on, man? How are you? Conrad, it was great talking to you last week all about Eric Bischoff. And we just, uh, it feels like just yesterday. Well, we did something a little different last week. We, uh, we had Eric Bischoff sit down with you to talk about the Montreal Screwjob 25 years later, his perspective, your perspective. It was, uh, as you like to say, maybe a fresh paint of coat. That's what I say. Coat, uh, wait, no, fresh, yeah, paint of coat. Yeah, see, we've said it incorrectly so often that when we try to say it correctly, it sounds wrong. It is wrong if you, God, man, it's like your jelly and peanut butter sandwiches. Oh, You don't get it. Buddy, if you don't stop it, I'm going to go tell dad and mom about you. Have and we're going to, we're going to bring together the, the, the chairs and table and we're yeah. going to sprinkle you very liberally. We're going to have a down set. If y'all just do Monday night raw and SmackDown backwards and we just look for clues like we had to with, all right, let's, let's move on. Today's episode is brought to you by Geico. How would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. After all, who doesn't love a great deal, right? And when it comes to great rates on insurance for all the things in your life, well, Geico can help like with insurance for your car, your truck, your motorcycle, your boat, your RV. They can even help with homeowners, condo or renters coverage. 
You can save even more with a special discount when you bundle your coverages. Plus add the easy to use Geico mobile app available 24 hour roadside assistance and more and choosing to switch to Geico becomes an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save with great rates and discounts. It's easy. Simply go to geico.com to get a rate quote or contact your local agent and start seeing how much you could save. And Tony and I were talking earlier today and we talked about Miss Elizabeth and how lovely she was and how fitting that she is our topic today. And she's one of the most, uh, respected and revered women in the history of professional wrestling. And a lot of people think it's just because she was the first, you know, before Sonny was the most downloaded woman in AOL history or whatever the terminology was. Miss Elizabeth was like the crown jewel of the world wrestling federation. No. Well, she was the standard bearer as opposed to the Paul bearer. Yes. And in many ways, I think, especially for WWE at the time, it was, they had never really had any female valets or characters of that sort. I, in the South, you know, we had Dark Journey, we had Missy Hyatt, Sunshine and uh, Precious and things of that nature where we've kind of been exposed to it. And nine times out of 10, they were heels, heels and, and nasty heels to boot. You know, with the exception of Sunshine, who had a nice little run there as a baby face, the same thing with DJ. But uh, Liz was the first of her kind. You know, she, she didn't cut promos. She right. stood by her man wow. and wow. let the world know she loves him. What? Nothing. Just enjoying the, the songs. Well, you're welcome. Thank you. I like to listen to old David Alaco sing that. Yeah. Yeah. Stand by your man. Yeah. Give him two arms to run to. Let him understand. Something like that. I really don't know the rest of the words, so I was waiting for you to go. Will you stop? Well, I, w- I mean, I wanted to see how far you could take that because wow. I was in uncharted territory. I could take it for a while. Well, that's what she said. All right, let's keep going here. Um, how do you pronounce Elizabeth's real last name? Hewlett? Hewlett. Elizabeth Hewlett was described universally within wrestling as a sweet and beautiful woman. That's according to uh, the Observer write-up on May 12, 2003, whose sudden and unplanned stardom in the late 1980s never went to her head. At her peak, with the possible exception of Rena Mero as Sable, she was the most popular female performer in the history of the business outside of Japan. In her heyday, as the shy, demure Elizabeth from 85 to 92 in the WWF, she was the idol and role model to virtually every young girl who watched wrestling and the first crush of a generation of young television wrestling fans. It was a role not planned for her, nor did anyone expect it to take off the way it did. And ironically, despite the success of the role, no woman in wrestling has ever been put in a similar role, including herself when she returned in a far less effective role with WCW in 1996. We're talking about her today because, uh, well, her birthday is tomorrow. As you're listening to this, she was born in Frankfort, Kentucky, November 19th, 1960. And it's just hard to imagine the man at this point, she's been gone for nearly 20 years. My goodness. 
but I think the write-up from Dave is pretty accurate. Like the, 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 the teenage or childhood crush, whatever, of, of a generation of young boys who are wrestling fans and, you know, every girl, every young girl who watched wrestling, they loved miss Elizabeth too. And what's crazy is it's not like she did these over the top acrobatics or had these great promos. It was all in the presentation. I mean, in her real life, of course, too, but the presentation of her, we haven't seen anything like that really before or since. Do you think, uh, extremely unique, uh, in every single way from the managers vying for the hand of the macho man. Oh uh, yeah. Um, that was unique in, uh, at that time and to have this complete unknown unknown untested you know every un you can throw in front of it uh it was it was unique it was different and i think that the pairing of the very animalistic uh macho man with the sweet demure miss elizabeth who doesn't say a word and 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 it's just kind of gives the appearance of being very shy and 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 almost um just out of place man she she didn't fit which made her fit all that much more she's just a fascinating individual um Meltzer would continue she grew up without a father according to those she confided in later in life and seemed drawn to controlling men while nobody who knew her had anything negative to say about her personally it was noted that if her real life story was ever told, it would make a fascinating television movie. She started dating Poffo, Macho Man, who was nine years older than her and went immediately after her divorce to Miami attorney Carrie Lubetsky, for whom she converted to Judaism. So listen, we're bouncing around her life a little bit here as we go through the observer obituary, but it is interesting that there's all these folks who just absolutely loved her, but know really very little about her. Uh, what, what was the rap you heard from macho man or from her about, you know, her family history and how she fell in love with wrestling and all that jazz. You know, not a whole lot. I, I really don't know that much about her background. I know, you know, from the time that I spent with Liz and with Randy, that for the most part, you know, her life, her family was, was all about Randy Poffo and she loved him to death. I mean, it was, it was, uh, at that time, you know, and I know people all have their different stories and different things, but, uh, I never saw it. I was in their home. I spent time in their home with them and they were always just absolutely the best. And I had them to my house many times and, um, uh, to me, Liz was just this uh, really, really sweet young lady. And, and also, you know, traveling with them, it was, was a fun experience because you got, you got the real Liz and you got the real Randy too, for that matter. But it was everything that you, that you have heard that we've heard over the years about Randy being domineering and controlling, man, when they were, alone or it was just the three of us at times in a car and traveling he was 
it was just like a, a fun couple. They were they were a lot of fun. They laughed and joked and uh, were very loving towards one another. And <laughs> Liz even was would try and set me up <clears throat> from time to time. And, and well, I say from time to time, a couple times, but it was with people that I'd previously been uh, seen. And she, but she would get involved. Okay, Bruce, you know who are you dating now? What are you doing? And things like that would would get involved and give me advice. Right, was she trying to be a uh, matchmaker or trying to be wingman? Cause there is a difference. A little bit of both. Wow. Okay. A little bit of both. No, Liz. All right. Yeah. She was awesome, man. Man. That's fucking cool. I don't know why I just didn't expect you to say that. That's awesome. Uh, Elizabeth was described universally within wrestling as a sweet and beautiful woman. All right. So that's the way it opens a sweet and beautiful woman. Uh, I mean, if that's your legacy in wrestling, there's a phrase I've heard a lot. Hey man, they're almost too nice for wrestling. Was Elizabeth maybe too nice for wrestling? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, like I say that her on, on air persona was one of someone that didn't fit. And I think you could say that all the way through her career because yeah, man, she, she was in it with Randy Right. They were taking the ride together. It was a new, whole brand new thing for Randy when he came to WWE, and he got to do it with his wife. So they were reinventing themselves as they went along. There it is. There it is. Hey, so uh, Melzer continued when she first met Poffo. He was with a woman named Deborah, a second generation woman wrestler, Debbie Combs. And as the story goes, when Randy first met Liz, she was heavy feeling. She needed to lose weight to get him. She dropped weight, became a knockout and the two hooked up in such a small operation. She quickly became part of the family business. She would sell programs at the shows and helped out on office work. By 1983, she was appearing in front of the camera as a pretty face who hosted the local TV shows and introduced video clips. So let's break that down step-by-step. Did you know Debbie Combs? I knew Debbie. Yeah. Well, we don't hear about her very often. I, what can you tell us about her? You know, not a lot. Her and her, her mother was Cora Combs. She was a second generation wrestler, but I know Debbie from just coming through Texas every once in a while and through the cauliflower alley club. That's about it. And, and Cora was a holy shit, man. Uh, she was awesome. She, she was just a lot of fun. She was one of those, one of those old broads that would come in and just, uh, have you in stitches and never met a stranger. Just, she was like, every, like the most popular mom. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like everybody, man, she took care of everybody. She made sure everybody was laughing. And if somebody was down, she brought them up and just a really, uh, just a sweet Southern lady, by God. And Debbie was, you know, I, mean, I don't know. Debbie was as personable as Cora was, but Debbie was sweet as well. But I, you know what? I never knew that Randy was together with her. I never knew that. What's the hold up? Do you need me to spell it out for you? It's G E I C O.com. That's where you save money. Geico.com. Don't know if that, I have no idea if that's true or not. Yay, nay, or. The other 
Well, she not only, uh, spent a little time with the WWF, uh, but she even was on a couple of nitros, which is kind of hard to imagine, but 1997, they were trying some stuff with the women's title and Debbie Combs wound up on freaking nitro. And at the time I had no frame of reference for anything to do with the macho man. She did get a couple of, uh, sniffs, as we said, in the WWF, I think it was 87, 88. So she had a couple of, uh, spots there and usually working with sensational Sherry or fabulous moolah, um, different time in women's wrestling for sure. But let's get back to Elizabeth here. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, as she's trying to make her way in and around the wrestling business, it sounds like she's like just a big fan who wants to get involved. And with the exception of losing a bunch of weight or dating the macho man, sounds kind of similar to your story, dude. Like, Hey man, what do you need me to do? I'll, I'll help around the office. I'll sell programs. She just loved the business, huh? Absolutely. She loved the business and, and, you know, I think that the love of the business grew into the love, you know, for Randy, but it was something that she did enjoy. And so, and frankly, uh, had a clue about, you know what I mean? She was, she was one of those talent that would sit back and, and think about things and be able to ask the question, well, why'd we do this? Or why'd we do that? Um, so yeah, I mean, she, she had a head on her shoulders. Give me an exa- an example of her trying to tweak maybe a segment or a pre-tape or an no, interview. It, it wasn't like that. It, she, she never, she didn't do that, but she, okay. would, she would talk about things having her in the car. She would talk about, you know, we would talk about the business and she had an opinion about it. And she would talk about, okay, well, you know, why do you think that was, or why do you think this was things like that? I'm not saying this to be diminishing and boy, it's going to sound like I am. I'm just trying to, you know, you and I have done some campaigns together and we would test stuff. We would do a and B. And sometimes if you and I narrowed something down, we might, you've seen me do this. We'd call a bunch of people into the room and say, Hey, I'm going to show you these three, which one do you like the best? That sort of deal. And we get different feedback based on. Is this a younger person? Is this an older person? Is this a, a man? Is this a woman? You know, just how do we make sure we're appealing and checking all the boxes and blah, blah, blah. Well, obviously when it comes to creative with WWE, you're trying to appeal to all folks, young and old of, you know, near and far and whatever. So when you're saying you're having these conversations with her and she's chiming in about the business, are you anxious to hear it from a female perspective or just another voice? Because it's I third voice. It's okay. a third voice in the car talking. You know, I think that people got the impression of Liz, this, you know, quiet little diminutive, uh, never said shit with a mouthful. And that's not true. She, she had an opinion. Now was she open with it where people, you know, went back and said, Oh, I remember time Liz spoke up at that. It wasn't that way. It wasn't right, that right, way right. at all. Um, but when you're in a car riding with people and you're talking about the business and everybody's got something to say about something, Liz had something to say. Talk to me about the territory days. You know, these days it feels like, you know, we're all familiar with, with what's going on in the current product. But when we talk about the territory days, it feels like inevitably we wind up talking about Memphis or we're talking about Florida or Georgia or the Carolinas or the WWF or what have you. But very seldom do we spend any time talking about what the Poffos were doing, which some people might go so far as to call an outlaw promotion. 
Can you sort of give a frame of reference for the Poffo family promotion, how it was perceived in the business, how big it was, whether or not it was profitable or successful, just fill in the gaps of what was the macho man doing in his quote unquote family business before we all fell in love with him on the USA network. Well, I don't know that a lot of people really paid that much attention to it with the exception of Jerry Jarrett and George Goulas there. And, uh, that ran Kentucky, which is where Randy's promotion, I guess, was mainly operational was Indiana and Kentucky, but it was definitely viewed as an outlaw promotion because the Jarrett's in Tennessee were already running a lot of those markets and for the Poffos to come in and get their television on that was, man, that was a direct strike and that was an act of war. So they were viewed as definitely being an outlaw promotion. But again, where, where I was in Texas, it was, you, you just heard about that kind of by the by because nobody really, they didn't make enough noise, uh, to really ripple throughout, you know what I'm saying? It was yeah. a very small, it was very small promotion. It and was an indie before indie was a thing, right? Yeah. I mean, it was, it was just a very small ragtag promotion that was trying to run opposition in Memphis. No one really took it seriously because they weren't doing enough business to go, Oh my God, there's somebody really making a move on the Memphis territory. That wasn't the case. Right. Uh, they had, they had some good talent in Randy and, Bob Orton Jr. and Lanny that uh, I think other, you know, like Watts had used Lanny prior to WWE using Lanny. And it just was, yeah, it, it wasn't elsewhere, where at least where I was in Texas. It wasn't, oh, my God, uh, whatever their promotion was called. Holy cow, boy, they're, they I had see. a house the other night, did 262 people. Wow. Uh, ICW international championship wrestling. And listen, it's easy to sort of disregard it, but he did bring in some other talent, you know, guys like, uh, the original Sheik and Ronnie Garvin and Bob Orton and Ox Baker, but also too, it launched for lack of a better word, the macho man and, and miss Elizabeth It ran from 78 to 84. Of course, when macho man catches on in the WWF, that's all she wrote. Um, but let's go back to the term. Cause I think some people don't really understand what does outlaw promotion mean? I've always been of the mindset that wrestling back in the day was almost ran like the mafia. There were different territories and the governing body of these quote unquote five families, if you will, to make a mafia reference is the NWA. So if you ran opposed to an existing territory and didn't play by the rules. You were an outlaw promotion or you weren't a member of the NWA. You were an outlaw promote. Talk me through what the difference is. Well, no, the outlaw, an outlaw promotion is if you have a, a promotion and you have an established territory that you've been running for many years where you have television and you've got a crew of guys going through there and someone comes into your market, puts their television show on on the air in your market in your area and then starts running shows that's an outlaw promotion that is what was viewed an outlaw promotion had nothing to do with the nwa and all that bullshit the nwa was a crock of shit i mean when you really get down to it man it was a monopoly that, that just they charged promoters to be able to put those three letters 
you know, say, hey, we're members of the NWA. You know, Fritz was the president of the NWA when he realized that this is stupid. Right. Uh, I'll make my own world champion. And, you know, I'm going to go with my kids and, and I'll make my own world champion. I'll have my own promotion. I don't need the NWA. Watts didn't need the NWA. Very few, you know, you go up in California. Roy Shires was, you know, like, what the fuck do I need an NWA champion for? Right. It's silly. Um, but the NWA, you know, had this this thing and it had the aura of being this uh, governing body. They didn't govern shit. They didn't even make sure that their champion made the shows on, you know, that they were advertised for. But by God, they wanted to get their points on whatever show you ran. And so that was, that's basically what the NWA did. The NWA was a, a booking for the NWA world champion. That's really what it boils down to if you get down to the nitty gritty. But they would have conventions and they would talk about this guy's territory and that guy's territory. How can we, you know, help out? And that's so now, you know, let's go back to the outlaw promotions. My philosophy, because growing up, you know, with Paul Bosch and Bill Watts and those guys, you would hear about. So first of all, it was uh, with Gary Hart and Bronco Lubitsch and Fritz in the Dallas booking office. When Joe Blanchard, who Joe Blanchard was a promoter in San Antonio, Joe had started his own booking office and broke away from the Dallas booking office, where previously Dallas supplied talent to San Antonio and Austin for Joe Blanchard and Corpus in the Valley. Um, he also supplied talent to Houston, and then he ran his own territory outside of Dallas. Well, Joe Blanchard broke away, and Joe decided he was going to book San Antonio with his own crew of talent, which it wasn't viewed kind of at that point as an outlaw promotion because all he did was stop using the booking office of Dallas and create his own booking office. But when he started to go into Dallas-Fort Worth and come into Houston, then he was viewed as an outlaw because he was coming into other people's towns. Now, it was okay that Fritz went in, continued to go into his towns and promote you know, against Joe and San Antonio and Austin and Corpus and the Valley. But by God, Joe can't come into Dallas and do that. And that's what always kind of tickled me is that the Fullers in Alabama would sell the territory to someone. And somebody would go, yeah, I want to be a wrestling promoter. And, ah, well, I'll sell you. I'll sell you this here territory. You can, you can book Huntsville and Birmingham, go all the way down to Pensacola and the Panhandle in Florida. We'll sell it to you for $10,000. They're selling air. Yeah. <laughs> They're selling air. Yeah, It's America. It's a free country. If you can strike a deal with the television station, get your TV on, and you put a better product on, then let the audience make the choice. Right. As long as you've got a, a venue to run, you've got talent to want to work for you, uh, great. So I, as I got older, especially, you know, kind of reading Joe Blanchard had this big antitrust suit where 
he sued it was sued the who's who of wrestling uh in antitrust saying that everybody everybody else i'm not kidding man he listed everybody else in the wrestling business was working against him him specifically mm-hmm. so if you ran a show in minneapolis minnesota you were working against joe blatchard it was crazy it was crazy that's when i'm like looking at it going well then why doesn't joe just go to minneapolis and run he came into houston and ran came into dallas and ran um so that's why i would always laugh when it was like well you know you gotta buy into the territory you gotta buy what are you buying right well here's something i think we can all buy into a better alternative for smoking today's episode is brought to you by lucy and we're excited to talk about lucy breakers if you're one of the millions of adults who use nicotine you know that not all products are the same and there's one new product that stands above the rest lucy breakers are the only nicotine pouch that gives you a blast of flavor from the first moment to the last each pouch contains a capsule that you break open to release a rush of flavor and it doesn't fade away like those other pouches you know the ones that rhyme with thin they come in so many flavors mint berry citrus mango even espresso you don't have to go to the gas station or corner store to get them just order online they'll be stripped shipped straight to your door by the way every order gets free shipping plus if you subscribe it's 15 percent off and never run out and let me tell you i have a friend of mine who's wanted to start doing uh, nicotine a different way and i recommended to him hey man gotta try some of these lucy breakers i hooked him up and now he's all about it he's reordered you will too So whether you use nicotine while working, creating, or playing, Lucy Breakers are the intelligent choice. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Get $10 off your first order when you use our promo code WRESTLE at checkout. Remember, the shipping is always free. That's lucy.co. The promo code is WRESTLE. You'll receive $10 off and free shipping. Just visit lucy.co for more details. We thank Lucy for sponsoring the podcast. Oh, and here's the fine print. Lucy products are only for adults of legal age and every order is age verified. This product contains nicotine, nicotine as an addictive chemical. That's lucy.co. The promo code is wrestle. What's the hold up? Do you need me to spell it out for you? It's G E I C O.com. That's where you save money. Geico.com. Let's talk about the NWA. We're doing a sidebar here. A little tangent Jones, if you will. Everybody is talking about the NWA. Uh, it's come out in the last, uh, I don't know, week or 10 days, whatever it may be now that Nick Aldis is not going to be returning to the national wrestling Alliance. He's put in his notice. And as such, they removed him from their hard times pay-per-view last weekend in new Orleans. It was a three-way dance for the world title. Tyrus and Matt Cardona were challenging the two-time NWA champ, Mr. Trevor Murdoch. And a lot of fans were sort of taken aback. Oh my gosh. Titus is the NWA world champ. Did you see the news? What'd you think, Bruce? No, I didn't see it. All righty. Uh, let's keep it going here. And, uh, let's talk about miss Elizabeth in front of the camera. 
as we said here by 1983, she's appearing in front of the camera. She's a pretty face who hosts the local TV shows and whatnot and introduces the video clips. When I know that they come to the company before you're there, but do you think Vince had any idea that miss Elizabeth had done stuff or was it simply one of those? I'm going to meet a talent and he's going to bring his wife type deals. No, I think that he, he met them. Right. And you know, in negotiations going over everything, he asked if, you know, if that was something that, you know, she'd want to do. And the rest, as they say, is history. I just know there's a pretty famous story out there about, you know, when, when he finally meets with Johnny B bad and he's just taken aback, like, oh my gosh, got to do something with Rena here. Your wife is lovely or whatever it was. Uh, and it feels like he could have been the same way about miss Elizabeth, but it is going to be a totally different presentation. Uh, that's for sure. As a reminder, uh, Randy and Liz were married in Frankfort, Kentucky on December 30th, 1984. And Meltzer would write this all major heels at the time were also hooked up generally with one of the variety of heel managers, but Savage came in without a manager. They did an angle where all the managers in the promotion were bidding for Savage's services, which only served to make him seem more special than any of the other larger, but less athletic heels. When the angle played out after several weeks, Savage introduced his manager and everyone was shocked when an unknown hundred pound woman all decked out came to the ring with Bruno San Martino being fed the line to surmise that quote, she must be some sort of movie star. Now this introduction, I just saw for the first time a handful of years ago since the network's been around, but you've got all these heels surrounding him in the middle of the ring. And they do a cutaway to show her coming in. And it's just through like a couple of double doors in an arena. It was amazing. It, it's not the pomp and circumstance we see with WWE today, but that added to a lot of the charm for me going back and watching it. Were you watching WWF programming at the time? Do you remember the introduction of Miss Elizabeth as part of the package for the macho man here? Absolutely. And yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> That comment, yeah, the, the business has definitely grown from uh, Allentown, Pennsylvania, and, and Hamburg. Yes. Just, uh, hey, come on out. And uh, the, same, the same people sitting in the first couple rows and the ropes around the ring and things of that nature. But, yeah, it was a little different presentation at that time. But, yes, it was, it was a very, again, man, they, they didn't do that. Everybody came in, they had a manager, and the thought was, I think outside when people didn't know, is, is it going to be a manager from outside of the company that would be coming in and making their debut with Randy? Right. Uh, you know, is, is it going to be Humperdinck? Is it going to be Cornette? Is it going to be somebody else? And things like that that were kind of speculated along, but not seriously because they thought, okay, well, Heenan will end up with him or so, whatever. But it was uh, a different presentation that was intriguing. It got people talking. And then when you see Liz, you're like, wow. Then the next question is, who is that? Right. Because she wasn't someone, she wasn't a worker that anybody knew. And... It was a absolutely gorgeous woman that just mesmerized the audience with her smile. It's, uh, it's just so fascinating to see how simple it was, but how awesome 
you know, the, the impact was, and it is kind of cool. You know, you've got this most of the time in wrestling, we, we run across a performer who we think is fantastic. They have just an awesome entrance and awesome presence. Maybe they got cool theme music. Uh, they can really tell a story in the ring and know their way around the ring. Their timing is good. Blah, blah, blah. But when you put a microphone in their hand, they just don't know what they're doing and you can tell they're uncomfortable. They're not having a good time. And the audience usually doesn't like that either. Anyway, that's the type of person we put a manager with, but in the eighties, WWF, man, you could be ravishing Rick Rude or Mr. Perfect or the macho man. And it didn't matter if you were a bad guy, we're probably putting a manager with you. That was like a staple of the territory at the time. Was it not? Yeah, that definitely. It was so that you do exactly who the heel was and exactly who the babyface was. Now, of course, the idea is a lot of times these managers are going to be somebody that you can quote unquote, get the heat on and perhaps no one better than Bobby Heenan. You know, you need him to get in a weasel suit and take some bumps for the ultimate warrior or whatever. No problem. You're not really going to do that with miss Elizabeth and miss Elizabeth. Isn't going to be out front running her mouth, not eating nothing, making everybody hate her like Jim Cornette. It's a totally different presentation, but for some reason, her mere presence is enough. Do you think that could even work today or has just society changed to where that'll probably never happen again? I think our society has changed in that, you know, good Lord, man, you, you look at the, just look at the candy shelf, you know, I mean, our society has changed in, in every way, shape and form. So I don't think that what worked in 84 would work today in that presentation. They would want more. They would need to have more. They would need them to do more. And the fact that she wasn't like everybody else and the fact that she didn't do everything that all the other managers did made her special. You know, time and place, right? Context is king, as a friend of ours likes to say. Uh, Quote, the original idea of Elizabeth was to be a new heel manager, a beautiful woman, but something out of a soap opera where she would be a hard nosed business shark. Immediately. The original heel plane plans were dropped. Fans immediately took to her and the savage Elizabeth dynamic changed to her portrayed as the most beautiful, elegant, but totally approachable woman. She was a pro wrestling version of lady die who ironically had a similar real life storyline and tragic end. I never heard this comparison to lady die until I read it in the observer. But man, she kind of was pro wrestling's version of that, where I don't know why you just want to pull for Miss Elizabeth. Do you know? Yes, absolutely. She was, she was lovable and she was human. Do you think she could have done the whole hard nosed business shark soap opera thing? I mean, clearly the audience wanted a different way, but do you think it could have even been possible? Yes, I do. She could have been a heel. You think? Yes. Wow. That would definitely could have been a heel. Savage was her heelish, jealous, obsessive, and overbearing boyfriend, which ended up having its own ironies. There's a famous angle where George Steele, by then late in his career, developed a crush on Elizabeth. And while the Savage Steele matches were hardly masterpieces in the ring, having Steele, whose role at the time was a fun, ugly, simple guy who could barely talk, but had this love for this beautiful woman, only made the dynamic stronger. Most beautiful women would have blown this ugly beast off, but she was nice to him. And even though she was just being nice, showing no romantic affection, her boyfriend would go crazy with jealousy. Now you mentioned 
in the Randy Savage episode, which we did way back on episode 64. I can't believe this is real, but more than five years ago, you're going to check that one out. But you said when you first met Savage, the hype didn't match the man at the time. Can you elaborate on that? Well, I think that, you know, Randy had this reputation of being an uncontrollable maniac. Right. And he wasn't. He was an intense guy, but he wasn't, he wasn't this crazed lunatic. He, he could get there, but to me, he was normal, professional. Uh, you know, I'm beginning to wonder, you know, am I the one that's crazy? Don't answer that. But uh, no, Rand, Randy didn't, in my viewpoint, Randy was no different than anybody else. Was he intense? Absolutely. But the best always are. Well said. Can't argue that. Um, what was your first impression of meeting Elizabeth? So you've said that, you know, maybe he had the unwarranted over the top reputation. What about miss Elizabeth? Didn't know her from Adam. And, um, uh, the first time that I met her was in Houston. Vince has set, sent people in to do promos for our first combined show that we were doing with promoting WWE. And Randy and Liz came into the studio to do promos. And all I wanted was there was a poster of Liz that was a, a kind of a from the chest up, just like right above the chest. I, I mean barely any cleavage, even if there was any cleavage at all, but it was just this beautiful poster. And I knew that that poster would sell because it was selling everywhere for them. And I had made the comment that I want Liz merch. Yeah. And so Paul Bosch, first thing he says to Randy is, oh, well, Bruce just wants to meet Liz. Is oh. that right? Yeah. Uh-huh. We'll all, I'll decide whether or not that's going to happen. You know, and it was uh ha ha ha. And then, uh, she was as gracious as could be. And so was Randy. I wanted to make money. <laughs> well, that WWF poster. And I think we've talked about this before. The one with her, with the big earrings and the big necklace. Yep. Yeah, that's gotta be one of the most sold WWE posters of all time. No. Yes. I mean, it was and at that time you they couldn't order enough of them right so i was that was one of the things that i had brought up was like get me that stuff because i know that'll sell in in houston so um Meltzer would say it was that way when the cameras were off as well savage's jealousy was legendary in wrestling when savage wasn't watching over her he would have had a road agent or referee or older office person that he trusted with her at all times to make sure none of the boys ever got too close. Savage on occasion chased down and hit fans who tried to touch her as she was walking to and from the ring. Lesser stars were even let go by the company for lesser actions involving fans. So clearly, you know, Meltzer is, uh, repeating what we've all heard. And I know you've argued it and said, no, that's not the case. And it's been blown out of proportion, but I do want to give you one more chance. Are you saying that? 
everybody's making this up. This is all nonsense. Or was he right to be a little protective of his wife? Because it is a crazy world out there and blah, blah, blah. I could see how that would be okay. And maybe it just well, didn't go to the extremes that some people want to paint it as. No, here, here's what, here's what doesn't make sense. Okay. When's she going to be alone? When's she going to be alone? Are you saying that, that there was never an opportunity for that? Well, there, there was. Okay. They went to the ring together. She yep. got at the ring with him. They usually, yep. if she had a room, they usually had a room where they could both change and do everything together. Sometimes she would be with the women in the women's locker room, but there weren't a lot of women on the road at that time. That's right. So sometimes she had to have a locker room by herself. So if she's by herself, you also have to understand the the way the business was, you know, back then. And it was all new and you're going to different places all the time. You didn't have security with you all the time. So to put her, if she's the only female on the card, and now we've got to put her in another part of the building or we've got to put her in another place. Wouldn't you want to have security with her? Wouldn't yeah. you want to have somebody watching the door, making sure that no one just walks into her locker room while she's getting dressed? Yes. Okay, that's so I think because it was different. I got you. And that people are looking, oh God, boy, Randy's paranoid. He's got to have somebody over there watching the door. Well, that's your true. wife ain't here, brother. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't even care if it's if it's if it's your wife, your girlfriend, your sister, right? Or just whatever. You want to make sure because it was again, it was different. You want to protect the, the female performers. And it, whether it was her or anybody else, we always made sure that there was somebody there. So I think it just got blown out of proportion. And then people repeat it as, you know, oh, yeah, Randy was paranoid. Um, I think that Randy in general may have been a little paranoid about everything. It's personal life included. But at the same time, when you when you get to be with people and you get to, it's like you and I sitting on your couch in Huntsville. Yeah. And I'm in my Kevin Owens dad attire <laughs> with, my, with my basketball shorts and my long socks. Uh, yep. But, you know, we, we learn things about each other that nobody else knows. They know your public persona. They know my public persona. Very, very few people know me. Very few. And I like it that way. Randy, very few people ever got that close because Randy wouldn't let you get that close. Randy liked the mystique. Randy liked people thinking that he was unapproachable because that way he was in control. Right. So the perception, and I think people, you know, talking about it again, put, put the shoe on the other foot and tell me how, you know, how you would have responded to that. And I could throw that back, you know, pretty much at anybody. Um, man, Jake was very protective of Cheryl on the road. Right. So was Jake paranoid and was Jake this raving maniac? No. It was his well, wife that he didn't want, that he wanted to make sure was okay. 
Is it fair to say that paranoia is a thing in, in pro wrestling? Like absolutely. It, it, but when you come into it, which is obviously going to make you paranoid, a little paranoid, and then you sprinkle in this chip on your shoulder, or you've been told that you're an outlaw promotion, tried to make it in baseball and didn't, and trying to make a big splash in wrestling and boy, things are lean. And now you marry this really attractive woman and you're moving her all around the country with other guys who want your spot. Boy, the paranoia, it's a combination where I could see how anybody could take a look and say, well, two plus two, right? And other guys that would look at Liz and go, Hey, wow, that's a beautiful woman. I sure would like to be with her. Yes, of course. You know, that's who wouldn't. Right. So again, I I think that when, (laughs) when you apply logic to it, I know we don't always like to do that, but I, I just think that, that Randy was being a husband to a very hot act in the business at the time. And that's a tough role. That's a tough role to play, man. Meltzer would say that her popularity grew. And with the exception of Hogan, the Savage Elizabeth act was the top act uh, in the company very shortly after her 85 debut. Her character was far more successful than any other woman character in pro wrestling up to that point in time. And while Hogan was a superhero, the fans were in awe of Elizabeth was probably the most well-liked character in the business at the time. Savage eventually turned babyface by saving Elizabeth and pro wrestling's Royal couple spent a year on top. Savage, of course, held that world title from March 27th, 88, which was WrestleMania four, all the way to WrestleMania five, April 2nd, 89. So let's talk about that. You know, Hulk Hogan is larger than life and certainly becomes a part of the pop culture, but I like the phrasing of this while Hogan was a superhero, the fans were in awe of, she was probably the most liked character in the business at the time. Man, that's a hell of a sentence. Is it not? Okay. I mean, you know, I, I think that Liz was was definitely over. Um, again, when you look at business and you look at sales, right? Nobody touched Shogun, right? At the time. I mean, nobody touched Shogun. Um, but Liz, yeah, Liz was popular. Liz, I think Liz, for the most part, in the beginning, was universally liked. Now, Keep in mind, there were always those those heel fans that, you know, when people would cheer Liz, that would get on Liz just because it was the cool thing to do. Um, Wheeling, West Virginia. Shit. We didn't we didn't even want to book her there because the crowd was so just brutal on her. Um, so yeah, she was she was definitely popular. Let's talk about you know, whether or not you think anybody else could have done this role. Is that possible? I think timing and, you know, when you, let me put it this way. I, I think that why Liz was so perfect in this role was because she was doing it with her husband who Elizabeth looked at it as he's the star and I am enhancing his star. She didn't want to be the star. Mm-hmm. She just, she was you know, that reluctant superstar. She, she understood that, Hey man, I'm support. He's the main character and I'm just support. 
So it was, I would say if anything was difficult for Liz, that may have been difficult for Liz because she didn't want to have it all on her shoulders. She didn't want to be the star. She didn't want to, you know, go out and sell posters and all this other stuff. She wanted Randy to make it, and she was happy being a part of the act. Well, she was fantastic, man. And that storyline, which we've broken down a hundred times here, the one with uh, Miss Elizabeth in the middle of the Mega Powers, if you will, was just fantastic. Uh, the first ever SummerSlam, before we get there, though, was really the first time she was in this type of role. It's Madison Square Garden. Think about that. The first ever SummerSlam, Madison Square Garden. Hulk Hogan and Macho Man on one side, Andre the Giant and the Million Dollar Man on the other side, Jesse Ventura as the special guest referee. It's about as big as it gets. I mean, you're talking icons of the wrestling business in the most famous arena in the world, and the pre-match buildup, most of it is all around Elizabeth. And Elizabeth does a pose with Savage doing a, a bikini poster. It's a big seller at the time. She's always dressed like she's going to the prom, right? But now we're seeing her in a bikini. And we even start to hear some teases about the itsy bitsy, whatever it was, teeny weeny yellow polka dot bikini or whatever it is. Itsy bitsy teeny weeny yellow polka dot bikini. That's right, brother. The itsy bitsy teeny weeny polka dot bikini. Uh huh. Yeah, it's our secret weapon. Yeah. What a moment. But Liz, it was. but Liz in the bikini poster was several years before that. Still, you know, it was exciting to. Wow, it's a distraction angle. You know, years before there was a shotgun Saturday night and a Marlena, you know, fake out, whatever. She took the bottom of her, she took her skirt off and you could see her bloomers for lack of a better word, but boy, that was a big deal in 1988. And of course it, it really, sucked. I hated that finish. Listen, I didn't like it as an adult, but as a kid, I was like, well, that makes sense. I mean, I have to take a look. Um, the biggest physicality she has, oh, I, we should ask about that from a, from a savage standpoint. Is he cool with that creative? We're going to have you take your skirt off. Yeah. Okay. You well, gotta because it was a part of the story. It was a part of the story all the way through. It was a part of the story of that, you know, go back. It was Hogan who first brought it up. It was Hogan who first started talking about it because he enlisted in his eyes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, you want to put her in a itsy bitsy bikini. Yeah. Oh! Yeah. Well. I'll tell you this. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to know if we ever have to book you in an angle like this, where we have to take your skirt off and reveal your blood. I need some help Conrad. Well, thanks to manscaped. We're going to do it. It's never too early to play holiday music and it's never too early to start thinking about gifts, whether it's for a friend or for the friends in your pants, you can make this season be jolly with manscaped. Do your little drummer boy a favor. Use the lawnmower 4.0 to avoid another silent night in the bedroom. Then add in Manscaped's top of the line shower products to have people thinking all I want for Christmas is you. Santa cares about his sack. So should you look nice when you get naughty and get free shipping 20% off by going to manscaped.com forward slash STW. The Manscaped perfect package platinum 4.0 is the one-stop shop for the man who deserves it all. 
It's everything you need to help deck the halls and face the balls just in time for mistletoe season. Inside this platinum package, you're going to find the performance package plus ultra premium body, wa body wash, ultra premium two-in-one shampoo and conditioner, the ultra premium deodorant. It's the best way to smell fresh from your Santa hat to your candy cane. Don't even get me started on the lawnmower 4.0 or the weed wear nose and ear hair weed whacker nose and ear hair trimmer. I use it every day. I love it. It's got proprietary advanced skin safe technology. Never hurt my holes. They're both waterproof. In case I want to shave my sack in a hot tub. Not saying I will, but it might could. Got a 4,000K LED light on this motherfucker too. Light my sack up like Rudolph, y'all. Now that you've groomed your candy cane, it's time to make sure you don't smell like a reindeer or his ass. These platinum back shower products. The shower gear from Manscaped is sulfate free. It's vegan. It's made to have your skin feeling hydrated, smelling fresh. Smelling good doesn't stop at the shower, though. Tony Schiavone uses the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant every Wednesday. And Eric Bischoff's right now in Atlanta using the Crop Reviver Ball Toner, hoping he can get those boys to stop hitting the water. We're pulling for him. Once these products touch your sack, you'll never go back. The Platinum Package 4.0 sitting under the tree is guaranteed to put anyone in the holiday spirit. For the perfect stocking stuffer, add in the brand new body buffer. It's a badass body scrubber. Makes exfoliating easy. A lot cleaner than your dirty asshole loofah. Get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com forward slash STW. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com forward slash STW. Manscaped. Get your jingle balls ready for the holidays. About that. What's the hold up? Do you need me to spell it out for you? It's G-E-I-C-O.com. That's where you save money. Geico.com. So the most physical piece of business we see from Miss Elizabeth here is when Akeem takes her out on Saturday night's main event. Of course, the Twin Towers are facing the Mega Powers. This is such an incredible angle. We love the backstage stuff. We've broken it down on the show before. Was she nervous about taking the bump from the big man? I think Randy was more nervous than she was. Again, you know, and again, people talk about, oh, well, he was paranoid and all this other shit. No, we were all paranoid in that regard. She wasn't a performer. She wasn't an athlete performer that took bumps. Right. Wasn't her gig. Was never, she was never intended to ever take a bump. Right. And so this was a big deal. So this was a, a, a big deal that you know, put her in harm's way. And it was something that, you know, made it, we needed it to make it work, in my opinion. And I think that everybody just wanted to make sure that, uh, like we would with anybody, you know, first sure. time that they're taking a bump, you're going to make sure they're okay and they know what they're doing. And that, uh, so there's a little bit of nerves going into that, making sure that she didn't get hurt in any way, shape or form. Well, I'm glad she made it, and uh, I'm glad that Hulk Hogan regained his world title from that evil macho man at WrestleMania 5. Um, because ticket prices were jacked up at the Trump Plaza here, it drew the largest live gate up to that point in U.S. wrestling history. And because pay-per-view had penetrated American homes more than they had the year prior for WrestleMania 3 and 4, boy, we had... 600,000 people buy the doggone pay-per-view 
And by the way, I want to remind you, that's when they got Ricky the Dragon Steamboat wrestling Ric Flair on TBS for free for the NWA world title. The WWF, especially under this Savage, Liz, Hogan, the mega power story. I don't think that's right, Conrad. It's the hottest ever, was it not? No, but I don't think yeah, that was Flair and Sting. No, Flair Sting was 88. That was WrestleMania 4. First Clash of the Champions. Oh, that's right. Clash of the Champions. Raging Never mind. Was 89. <laughs> but go ahead. I mean, listen, I, I like when you yell at me, even though I'm right. It's fun. But that's very seldom. It's like being married. Right? All right. So the estimated uh, total revenue is $18.9 million for WrestleMania 5. Can you even imagine that now? That's just, man, this is. Considering you're coming from Paul Bosch and Houston and the territory days, this is a whole new ball game for everybody involved. Is it not? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. We, you know, first of all, when you think about the, the medium of pay-per-view and able to reach that many people, and we're still in the infancy in 1989, you know, yes. it, it still wasn't as readily available as, as it became. So, yeah, it's one of those where you sit there and scratch your head and go, holy shit, this is amazing. By the way, if you use the old handy-dandy inflation but, calculator, $45 million, dude. Well, but you also, I mean, it, it, what really drew right. that house was the Brother Love Show. Everybody knows that. Okay. It's been well established. I just want to bring that up. I just wanted to bring that up. Just, you know. Big deal back then. I used to be over. Yeah, big deal. Uh, the gimmick here is Elizabeth is going to be at ringside. She's going to be in a neutral corner. Process that. Do I want to manage Hulk Hogan or do I want to manage my husband? Mm, I'm undecided. Well, no one knew that they were husband and wife. Right. And even though everyone saw Savage as the company's heel in storyline, Miss Elizabeth sees the good in him. Savage takes a bad bump on the outside. Elizabeth goes to help him. He yells at her later. When Hogan tries to post Savage, he puts Elizabeth in the way really fun, classic macho man, miss Elizabeth stuff here. And she even manages Hogan for a bit after WrestleMania and Meltzer would say, but that dynamic couldn't last for a lot of reasons. And she disappeared from wrestling. So let's talk about that. It was such a big part coming into this. She's such a big part of the presentation and the storyline and the main event. And now she's just going, what was really going on? Is this when the, the cracks were starting to form in the whole real life relationship or no? Probably so, but also, you know, it's, it's the same time. I think it was more of a, uh, two things. Hogan, Hogan was going and going to go away again. Hogan liked to go away after WrestleMania and do all that shit. And, I think Liz was also kind of looking at an excuse for a break from the road to be, be home <laughs> with their dog and just kind of, you know, have, have a little break. Right. But, uh, you know, and again, right. You know, right after this, they were, they were fine. I think that, uh, shortly you know, shortly after I left is really when all the cracks came into play. 
we know, and we're going to talk about the Hulk Hogan stuff in a minute at this point. Do you think it could have worked her managing Hogan on the road or is Meltzer just grasping at straws there? No, I, I don't. And here, and here's why I don't think that people wanted that package. Right. The, it just wasn't, it didn't, it didn't gel. Her and Randy gelled, man, in every way, shape, or form, adversarial or together. Um, so but, you're saying fans or just the market didn't want to see Hulk Hogan with his best friend's wife? Yeah. Got and it. again, you see, you keep saying that, but nobody knew they were married. And was, they made sure, and and they made sure that when they did the whole like the whole thing, they got a legal separation. So if you went to go look it up, they weren't married. We did the Magna Powers explode shit. That was a Bubba Loves Bugs joke. What? People didn't want to see Hogan with his best friend's wife. Okay. I wasn't really talking about Elizabeth. That was a joke. Uh, so listen, you talked about Elizabeth and Sherry at Madison square garden in the Randy Savage episode, but at this point she's managing Jim Duggan and Hulk Hogan on the road. And she's involved in the matches with Randy Savage. She's also going to appear in the corner of dusty Rhodes and Sapphire against Randy Savage and Sherry at WrestleMania six. How did dusty like working with Elizabeth? Man, that was one of the just absolute best, uh, best times of my life. Cause I was traveling with. Randy and Liz and, uh, and or dusty. And we kind of, we'd all switch in there <laughs> and switch off. I'd ride dusty. Sometimes I'd ride Randy and Liz other times, but we had an absolute fucking blast and dusty fucking loved working with her. It was again, for me getting to work with the American dream. Dusty Rhodes was uh, awesome. Working with Savage and Sherry. Amazing. And it was just an extremely fun, fun time that, uh, that we had, man. It, it just was up and down the roads and, and stories every single night and day. Dusty peeking through the, peeking through the curtain go, Oh baby, last time I've here, Hogan was on top. We, we've already, we've already thought just looking out here, there are more people out here right now than there was here when, when Hogan was here. And Savage and I would go to the curtain and open up. What the fuck is he looking at? Um, so yeah, we had we had an absolute blast on that that whole program. It was just God, it was fun. Didn't draw much money. Is the fun. is the package of Savage and Liz so strong that you really can't do do it with anybody else? Like. Well, that's what I mean. It's like, you know, Savage, as long as it's against Randy. Right. It, it still works. You know, Dusty with Liz against Randy, that works. Dusty with uh, Liz against Bad News Brown doesn't work. Right. So they make the decision to uh, have her come off the road. And you were saying, hey, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to uh, take a break, play with the dogs. Is that Randy's call? You think Liz's call Vince's call? I think combination of both. Yeah. Well, she, uh, essentially is just 
out of the, out of the, the limelight for a while. And one of the things I've never known, so I'm asking, cause maybe, you know, did she ever have an official contract with the company or was she just, she talent? okay. Yeah, she was talent. All righty. She's in and out on the TV side of the company for the next couple of years. Um, I guess we're trying to, I don't know what we're doing. You know, if she has a contract, it feels like Vince made sure everybody made every freaking town and you never missed a shot and blah, blah, blah. But she can just sort of come and go. A lot of people came and go and, and, you know, for Liz again, it had been, they had been running really, really hard for a long time. Right. And I know that, you know, she was just ready to, eh, I don't want to run as hard right now. Nothing wrong with that. It is a great soap opera moment. We're still treated to these WrestleMania moments with her, man. They just keep piling up, but here's another big one. Uh, WrestleMania seven in Los Angeles. It's a retirement match. It's the ultimate warrior versus the macho man. Now, of course the main event is Hogan and Savage and that's what's on the poster. But to me, this was really about Hogan or more so about Savage and warrior than, than Hogan slaughter. And as the rumor goes, Savage had actually started to think about retiring, maybe thinking about starting a family, something that maybe Liz really wanted and, and didn't have at this point. And at the time, Savage is being managed by Sherry Martell. He'd been a heel for a, at least more than a couple of years. And Meltzer would say it was clear. He was going out sympathetically from the start since he came out wearing a white cowboy hat. Of course, Savage put on a show that night. He stole the, the show. I think everybody agrees. That's maybe the best match the ultimate warrior ever had. But Elizabeth is shown at ringside several times during the match. And after Savage loses, Sherry attacks him, puts the boots to him. Elizabeth hits the ring for the save. We get the big clothes, the big kiss spot. Meltzer would say this was so well done that probably more people were watching in tears than any moment in scripted company history. Tears in a good way, by the way. Man, who was responsible for some of the timing and execution? This is a magic moment here, is it not? Yeah, it's fabulous. It was just the, you know, it's a perfect ending to that story. It's not normally what you expect from the WWF, though. You know, the WWF has, has always been about fun storylines and kicking people's ass and embarrassing the heels and just old school wrestling stuff. This really did feel kind of like a soap opera, but not in yeah. a bad way. We're right. about telling stories and, and doing soap opera and telling stories. And I think this was a perfect example of that. One of the best. Um, is this a segment where, you know, like when they come back through the curtain, do you think it's one of the like high fives all around? Holy shit. We did it, man. That was awesome. That exceeded expectations, man. We got to do more with this. What, what's the, what's the feeling like this for a segment like that? One to dry eye in the house. Yeah. And it was, it was highly emotional. I think that the audience, you know, got it in the arena and those watching at home, but, you know, I was watching backstage. It wasn't a dry eye in the house for several reasons, because we knew that, you know, Hey, Randy's Randy wanted to take some time off. Right. And then he wanted to go into the commentary booth, but uh, you know, that he's he, most importantly at that time, Randy wanted to take some time off, not be on the road every day. Can you believe it? 
It's finally here. It's the most wonderful time of the year, unless you get stressed out about how to pay for it. Savewithconrad.com can help you make this the best Christmas ever. You won't make a house payment for the next two months. That's right. Skip your next two house payments and use all that cash for your extra holiday expenses. And come next year, you're going to have a lower monthly payment. Don't put Christmas on a credit card. Pay your credit card debt off at savewithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Savewithconrad.com. What's the hold up? Do you need me to spell it out for you? It's G E I C O.com. That's where you save money. Geico.com. Did you, I understand you're going to be taking a bit of a hiatus, paid vacation, unpaid vacation, whatever you want to call it. When the WrestleMania seven thing happens with miss Elizabeth coming out and, and saving, saving him from Sherry and all that jazz, do you think you guys already had? the the wedding piece of business in your mind hey this is what we'll do for SummerSlam, or was it born out of that reaction no we we did kind of have that and that was going to be the the payoff yeah so as a baby face now randy savage is going to join vince mcmahon and roddy piper to make a three-man announcing team and most of the summer we see mcmahon and piper urging savage to ask elizabeth to marry him of course this is all storyline and Savage keeps getting cold feet to build the angle, but finally asks, and the wedding, which was billed as the match made in heaven, is actually put in the main event position of the SummerSlam pay-per-view in August of 91. Once again, it's in Madison Square Garden. And it's kind of a weird deal because, well, a lot of guys in the crowd, they don't care about watching a wedding, but a lot of folks hung out, man. And then afterwards, we had the big uh, ceremony. She opens a, a wedding present. A snake comes out, scares her to death. And what do you know? Even though Savage lost a retirement match, he can't stand for this. He's got to defend his woman. It was an excellent way to get Randy Savage heated back up again and into a program. An excellent way to establish Jake the Snake is still this monster heel, even if the Warriors leaving. Because I think once upon a time, it was going to be savage warrior and instead it wound up being savage and uh not savage warrior but uh, warrior jake and it winds up being jake macho is that right yep and you know i i think that uh yeah i wasn't there right so, but but it was i think you know for randy I don't know that his heart was in it. And I think that you, because he would always come back to me, he goes, yeah, whenever you need, you know, somebody to come in and save the day, you got to call in the old pros. Cause Randy's head, like Randy was, you know, still looking for that time off. He was still looking for that, that time not to be on the road every day. So I don't think that he was, you know, it's like, uh, he got it. He knew that, uh, the company needed him and okay, he's going to go do it. But in his head at the time, it was kind of like, well, I haven't had a break. I kind of need a break. Do you think that, um, obviously this is a genius way to, to introduce all these characters and everything that we got going on. But do you think originally the idea would have been again, context is King it's 91. Uh, we got to figure out what, what everybody's going to be doing. And, and we started to see 
there were scenes and vignettes that aired with the ultimate warrior and Jake, the snake Roberts. And Jake has said, it was supposed to be my run. It was supposed to be my run. And of course, as Jake tells the story, ultimate warrior got himself fired. So that doesn't happen, but the ultimate warrior had been working with the undertaker in body bag and casket matches leading up to this, uh, SummerSlam event. Would the plan have been warrior teaming with Savage to take on undertaker and Jake? God, I have no idea because the thing that doesn't make any sense is if you're, if you're trusting Jake's recollection of things, then he would have been the guy working with warrior, but leading up to that, it was actually the undertaker, which I could have totally seen. I I guess what I was trying to get at, I just don't see a scenario where Jake has that fucking snake bite the ultimate warriors arm hard enough to imagine that you guys sold or that somebody (laughs) sold Randy Savage on that. Yeah. Well, you know, that was that old working snake. Okay. Gotta find me one of those. Well, I I know where to find you one. I don't really want to find one. Yeah. The the part about it was what I don't think that people, so like uh, a Python, everybody's like, Oh, well, Python's not poisonous. And they don't bite, you know, they won't bullshit. They won't bite. Right. They will bite the shit out of you. And they got little teeth and they're like saws. And when they bite you, they start sawing. They like move their jaw back and forth and start sawing. Well, that's the same thing that the damn Cobra does. Yeah. He's got fangs and shit, but they, he was defanged and devenomized, obviously. But, uh, nah, they got little teeth, man. And they like bite and saw. Wow. Biting and sawing. Who knew? Well, well I, I, let me say what I do. I, edu- I educate Conrad. If you're looking to do a little biting and sawing, can I recommend blue chew? We're coming to you live today from the blue chew studios and Bruce, it feels like you and I have been talking about blue chew for a long, long time. And you know why that is Bruce? Why? Cause it really works. I know that. Well, yeah, everybody knows that. And if you want to get your ding dong real, real hard, let me recommend that you go to bluechew.com and they're going to hook you up. What a special offer we've got. We have it every single week and we continue to have it because we want you guys to try it. And because it really, really works. Take it from me. Take it from Bruce. We're long time bluechew believers. And listen, the nights aren't the only thing getting longer and uh, the breeze isn't the only thing getting stiff. You know, the deal. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. Take these dudes anytime, day or night. So plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Now the process is simple. You'll sign up at bluechew.com. You'll consult with one of their licensed medical providers. And once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. Now here's the best part. It's all done online, baby. That means no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Bluetooth tablets are made in the USA, prepared and shipped directly to your door, all in a discreet package. So if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, chew and do it. Have some better sex, y'all. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Bluetooth free when you use our promo code WRESTLE at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com. The promo code is WRESTLE to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And we want to thank Bluetooth for sponsoring the podcast and our erections. Hey, Bruce, stand up. Show everybody. What's the hold up? Do you need me to spell it out for you? It's G E I C O.com. That's where you save money. Geico.com. Out of your wiener right fast. Let's give them a good look at it. 
Because I know you tried a blue chew right before we went live. I know you got there your you camera go. off. Go ahead and just hit it on the desk for us so we can hear it. Oh, there it is. Woo. Stereo dog. Love it. So listen, uh, we don't talk about Miss Elizabeth's WrestleMania run often enough. I've talked about this a little bit on some of our shows through the years about what a WrestleMania run this dude had. Well, Elizabeth is a long Yeah. Macho man. Oh, macho man. Think about this now, but let's talk about it from Elizabeth's standpoint. She's there as a big part of the storyline for WrestleMania two with, uh, the lovable George, the animal steel. Now she's going to be a big part of WrestleMania three. One of the greatest matches of all time with Randy Savage. WrestleMania four, what do you know? Stand by her man, Macho Man becomes the world champion. WrestleMania five, she's sort of the monkey in the middle. Man, the mega powers are exploding over her. WrestleMania six, she's Dusty Rhodes' secret weapon. WrestleMania seven, she's going to come back and stand by her man and set up the big wedding angle. Stand by her, man. WrestleMania eight, dude. She's in there again, this time with Ric Flair in the world title picture. Miss Elizabeth, man, her fingerprints are all over WrestleMania's two through eight. And those are, man, the really big formative years of the company. It's no wonder that she's such an iconic character. She was in a good spot for every single one of those shows. Huge, huge, just mega star and mega, you know, mega part of the storylines. Of no course, by this time. Either. Flair's the WWF champ. They do a really fun old school Photoshop angle back before we even knew what the hell that was. Flair's bragging that she was mine before she was yours. And he produces photos that he says are of himself and Miss Elizabeth. And I think you've told us here on the program before that was Bobby Heenan's house in the photos, right? Yes, it was. And Kurt's bragging that they're going to show a nude photo of Elizabeth at WrestleMania. And they even have the big centerfold. Uh, we don't see it, of course, but we see Flair. Ooh, ah, all that bullshit. And boy, it was uh, simple, but it worked. And she was right at the center of the story once again. Fantastic presentation. And it, it I just got to ask, does she ever object to anything that was asked of her? Sometimes we hear like a story came out recently where Tori Wilson said, oh, they wanted me to do this and I didn't want to do that. Did anything like that ever come up with Elizabeth that you remember? Not, not with me, no. Yeah. Of course, somewhere along the way, real life gets in the way here. Elizabeth walks out of the relationship that summer. Uh, and when she did with no fanfare, she's gone from the WWF for good. It also caused a real life rift between Hogan and Savage, which continued for years. Although it settled once they both had a chance to make money with each other in WCW, but it's still apparent from Savage's side to this day. Savage blamed Hogan and his wife, Linda, for urging Elizabeth to leave him, whether true or not. She ended up spending time at their home, hiding out when she finally left him. She quickly hooked up with Miami attorney, Carrie Lubetsky, who she met at about the same time Hogan was doing the movie, Mr. Nanny in South Florida and moved there. Uh, you became pretty good friends with the macho man. Did you ever meet or hear about this Carrie fellow? No, God, I no clue. You know, uh, when everything with Liz happened and then I came back and uh, they had already split up and Randy was living in Stanford, it was it was like, you know, hey, it's over and done on going on living my life. There was, uh, I would say, unspoken animosity at that point. 
that Randy was was a little bitter, but he, you know, he just kind of moved on. There, there were comments every once in a while. But that was it. It wasn't like, you know, hey, man, she's a horrible person. She's this, she's that, or anything like that. And, uh, you know, he just, he moved on. But I think that there was still always that. Randy always loved her. Right. Always did. There's just, you know, no no doubt about that. Well, she's out of the biz for a while. Uh, it takes like four years, maybe a little less, before she pops back up, uh, this time in WCW. Uh, her return happens at clash of the champions, January 23rd, 1996, her first appearance on TV in nearly four years. It did a 4.5 rating, which makes it one of the three most watched TV shows in the history of TBS, uh, at that point, at least television wrestling shows. Uh, her return also gave WCW another piece of bragging rights. As far as signing an ex WWF superstar Meltzer would say this, but she was older. And while she was still very attractive, wrestling had changed. As had she with a new larger boob job in a business that was soon to be filled with women performers. She was just another face in the crowd. She worked angles with Savage. She confided to friends that were very difficult. Um, she ended up as a heel with Ric Flair and later in the NWO with Eric Bischoff and the Flair Savage program in early 96 with Elizabeth as part of the program was the first sign of life on WCW house shows just before the company's major business turnaround later in the year. Aside from a match where she botched a finish, where she was going to use her high heel, she was a weapon. She was the laughing stock of wrestling for a week. She was largely just another pretty face in the crowd. Did you see any of her stuff in WCW at the time, or were you not watching? No, I, I saw some of her stuff, and, and it, to me... Timing? Yeah, selfishly, it was sad. Yeah. Because she was such a, she was such an iconic figure that I thought that it kind of um, cheapened her a little bit, and she was you know she was great in the role that she was in, and she didn't do anything, you know, in the group that she was in. It was all you know, woman Nancy was with her all the time, and and Nancy did most of the stuff. So about five years after she met him, she marries Lubetsky, December of 97, but allegedly her relationship with Luger started pretty soon thereafter. They're eventually put together on camera as an act. She's going to be the manager here, of course. And it was noted by many in the company that when Savage introduced Stephanie Bellers, his latest ex stripper girlfriend as gorgeous George, that suddenly Elizabeth got a bunch of new work done. I don't know how much of that I believe. Her divorce became official in April of 1999. During most of her time in WCW, she mainly worked television and kept at a job at another clothing store in South Beach, Miami. Um, listen, Luger and, and Elizabeth were often at odds with management when, when Vince Russo was in charge. To Russo, who was a lifelong WWF fan, the one thing left for her was the idea of doing some sort of angle that would get her the the famed Elizabeth in her underwear shot, something that had never been seen by wrestling fans. Some of whom at this point were Russo's age bracket would have lusted after for more than a decade. By this point, she's almost 40. And while there's little doubt, she wouldn't have wanted to do it. Luger still a major player was trying to nix the idea that called for her to strip or wrestle. Luger was so difficult to deal with that both of them were sent home with pay for a while. And when her contract expired just before WCW closed its door, she was let go and eventually 
Luger ended his long marriage. Did you ever hear any of those rumors or, or the innuendo that Russo wanted her to do something Luger objected. And that was the big impasse. No, but good God, that would have been horrible. Did you ever meet Stephanie Bellers? The gorgeous. <laughs> Probably, you know, through the years, maybe to convention here or there, but I never really had any relationship. Maybe, yeah. yeah. What's the hold up? Do you need me to spell it out for you? It's G E I C O.com. That's where you save money. Geico.com. She was doing, um, 156 grand a year, according to court records, uh, before the company closed up, she starts working at the front desk of main event fitness in Marietta that Lex Luger had owned, uh, along with sting way back in the day. And the two became an official item in 1998, even though she was still technically married, they're both working for WCW and I guess he's technically married too. Uh, Meltzer would say exactly how and why things got the way they did were unclear. Uh, Elizabeth stopped working at the gym months ago. Luger, who hadn't wrestled since WCW closed in March of 01, and Elizabeth, who hadn't appeared on a wrestling show even longer than that, were both booked on a December 02 European tour with Andrew McManus's World Wrestling All-Stars. It was obvious to those on the tour that things were very wrong. Again, I know you weren't there. But Miss Elizabeth and her untimely death, which we're about to talk about, talk about, man, I, I had not heard. And again, the wrestling on the internet is still very much a thing here. You know, we were talking early two thousands. So by Oh three, man, stuff gets out, but I hadn't heard anything about her having an issue like that. Was that a thing in wrestling circles that was discussed back then? That she would have an issue with what substances. I, I had absolutely no clue until her passing right none at all and i don't know that anybody else did either but when she uh, passes away she's just 42 years old at a hospital in marietta georgia uh it's an emergency personnel response to a 911 call at 5 30 in the morning saying she's not breathing police in the cobb county medical examiner's office wouldn't list a cause of death until the toxicology reports came back and they said it was not likely a homicide, but it's widely believed by the closest to her that she was the latest victim of an overdose, which unfortunately claimed a lot of wrestlers in her generation. Lex Luger at the time is 44 years old. His real name is Larry and uh, Larry's in a little trouble here. He's arrested, not in connection with the death, but because they found like a ton of drugs at a $300,000 townhouse. The two shared in Cobb County, just outside of Marietta in Atlanta. How do you remember hearing the news here? I know you're still with the company at the time, but I know that maybe there was not the best relationship once upon a time with Randy Savage when he left, but Miss Elizabeth, you just don't expect to read that at 42 years old, right? Sure. I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't remember how the hell we heard it. We just heard it and it was a shock. It was a major shock. Then, you know, all the speculation came. And, and then, of course, it was, you know, with Lex getting arrested for all of the drugs in his house at the time, it was people coming to their own conclusions and, and just saying, oh, this is what must have happened. So, you know, it's just kind of a lot of hearsay, and I don't think anybody really knew for sure. Me knowing you, like I think I do, 
when you get the news, do you make a call? I did not. I did not because I, I just didn't. I, I didn't know. Put it that way. Didn't know I, just, what to say. I, I didn't. I didn't know what to say, and I didn't know really what the relationship was. Of course, the police report is going to uh, have a conversation with Lex Luger as well as the nine one one tape. Both indicate that Liz was mixing vodka and painkillers. She sat down to eat, started gurgling, and died around five thirty in the morning on May first. Unbelievably, they played this audio of the 911 tape on a random WWE show called confidential that didn't really have any legs. And it was almost a TMZ style show. But I, for one, Bruce thought, wait a minute, what are we listening to here? And I was a guy who subscribed to the observer and subscribed to the torch, but I don't know that I necessarily wanted or needed to hear a 911 call in that regard. In hindsight, if you had that to do over again, you think the company would? No, I didn't do it. I don't remember them doing that, but I don't think it was a good idea. No. Of course, uh, we would hear panic Lex Luger say that his girlfriend had passed out. We were eating. She started gurgling. Please send somebody. It was just the worst. And it's just out there. So a lot of controversy around that episode. I guess it aired on uh, May 10th. Uh, Meltzer would say it was one of the most talked about episodes in the history of the show. Many felt it was sleazy from the start of the show and through every commercial break. They kept hyping a tape of Lex Luger's 911 call, which was just played in the closing moments of the show. And listen, that is normal for television news, but I don't know. Wrestling, I feel like it's supposed to be the escape from all that stuff. Do you agree with that? I definitely think wrestling is an escape. I think that, you know, you come to get away from all the gaga. But sometimes real life touches us. Well, the first half of that episode was all about the television character that we fell in love with, Miss Elizabeth from 85 to 92. The second part talked about, well, what happened? And there was some negativity towards both Lex Luger and Randy Savage there. Meltzer would say he strongly disagreed that it was a hit piece. And he said the facts of her life were presented fairly. And, uh, quote, I felt if anything, Hulk Hogan was holding back because the stories of Savage's possessiveness and obsession was Elizabeth was legendary in wrestling during the eighties. We've addressed that at the top of the show, but it's, this is something every January, every February, every March wrestling fans discuss. Do you think Liz deserves to be in the hall of fame? She's got it, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think maybe the, just from a purely business standpoint, maybe the reason, and again, he's not here. We're not asking him. I'm asking your opinion. You think Vince felt like given the way she passed, maybe that wasn't something he wanted to do on TV. Or do you think maybe the family objected? Is there more to it? I guess is what I'm trying to get to. Is there a bigger reason why you're asking the wrong person? I think that more than anything is probably timing. Right. I, uh, I don't know what else to say, man. I just feel like it's a shame that we all hold her in such high regard. She was such a big part of so many iconic wrestling moments, but unfortunately when we talk about her, we more often than not talk about the way she passed away. And I'd like to celebrate some of those good times and good moments. Um, 
Let's do some questions. Francis Reyes wants to know, who do you think is the current version of Miss Elizabeth? Is there one? I don't think that there is one. I don't know that Liz could be replaced. You know, in the original form, I don't think she could. GJ refill wants to know, how do you think Miss Elizabeth would have done in the attitude era? You know, boy, that's a tough one because I don't think that her personality in that attitude era where everybody had to have an edge and everybody, I think that the, the sweet, innocent persona would have gotten lost. Mr. William wants to know at any point, did WWE ever think to turn her heel? And if she ever returned to WWE, you think he would have done it? No, we definitely wouldn't have. Um, I, I think that in, you know, obviously she was brought in as a heel audience wouldn't accept that. Right. So I think that kind of keeping her as Miss Elizabeth, what you had all known for a long time, that's that's what the audience would have expected. Here's a fun one we haven't talked about before. Um, no, I'll, I'll, I'll come back to that one. Jeremy wants to know, did Liz ever want to get out of the business and she and Randy live a quieter life than being in the wrestling business? I think Randy and Liz both wanted to at some point get away from the business and just kind of chill with their dog and just kind of live life. But when you look and sound like Randy, (laughs) Liz, it's kind of a hard thing to do. Uh, Dylan wants to know, we always hear about the bad of Randy and Liz's relationship, but they clearly loved each other very much. Bruce, can you share any positive insights or stories about Randy and Liz? Man, it, it just was, again, from my vantage point, getting to travel with them and to, to watch, you know, when you're eating and to watch Liz clean Randy's face <laughs> when he's got season dressing in his beard and things like that. And for him to bust on him in the car and to see them go back and forth in a very loving way. And they enjoyed one another's company. And I know that, you know, a lot of people will say a lot of things. I just thought that, uh, Man, I always loved Randy Savage, and I loved Liz. Together, they, in my presence, were always great, and I adored both of them. So we had some really, really good times together, traveling up and down the road from, you know, uh, God, where the hell were we? Maybe St. Louis or somewhere, but, you know. Liz coming out of the dressing room and coming and getting me and me and Randy and Dusty that uh, Sherry had drug Sapphire into the shower and she's going to kill her. (laughs) We're half-ass laughing because we know Sherry's not going to kill her. We know Sherry's not going to do anything physically to her. Just Sherry was frustrated, but Liz was like, Oh boy, you know, it, it exploded. The, um, Nah, she was just a really fun, loving, and they were they were great together. Man, I loved to have them over when they were both in town. Have them over, we would cook out and have. I'd go to their house. We'd go to Crabby Bills and all that shit. Just again, they were as crazy as everybody wants to perceive them. When it came down to it, they were just a, a really normal uh, married couple when you got them away from everything. 
Well, listen, let's, uh, let's wrap up this episode of, uh, Miss Elizabeth. Uh, I want to tell you what's coming up next week, but before we do, I want to ask any final thoughts, stories, words, funny ribs, funny travel stories, funny quirks, anything you can share with us about. Uh, Not with? that I can tell. <laughs> there, there was one, but I can't, I really, I can't tell that one, but, uh, you can't you know, try it, to clean just, it up a little, huh? You can't try to clean it up a little. I can't. I can't. Okay. It's just too. It was. It was. It was. Uh, yeah. What's the hold up? Do you need me to spell it out for you? It's g e i c o dot com. That's where you save money. Geico dot com. But I will say this: that you know, Liz, wonderful human being, very sad ending, and um, you hate to see that for anybody, but you really hate to see it when you know that the human being is a is a really wonderful person so i think she's yeah. been missed and i yes. uh, wish she was still here well we'll be back next week talking about your first wwf pay-per-view after your return in 1992 survivor series nails and the big boss man are going to have a nightstick on a pole match tataka is going to be taking on rick martell the ultimate warrior and davy boy smith are going to get fired which is going to change the main event and turn mr perfect into a baby face all the team with Randy Savage to take on Ric Flair and Razor Ramon. Plus, we've got the Natural Disasters, the Nasty Boys taking on Money, Inc., and the Beverly Brothers. The first ever coffin match between The Undertaker and Kamala. And the pay-per-view debut of Yokozuna. And the first time Bret Hart took on Shawn Michaels at a singles match for the WWF title at a Survivor Series. We'll be doing all of that next week here on the program. Of course, you get all of our shows early and ad-free over at adfreeshows.com. And uh, hit the like button if you've dug what we've done. Hit that subscribe button if you want to get more. Leave us a five-star review if you think we've earned it. If you want to read what Bruce doesn't tweet, he is at Bruce Pritchard. If you want to ask questions of the show, maybe you want to ask a question about Survivor Series next week. Well, that's easy. It's at Pritchard Show. I am at Hey, Hey, It's Conrad. And the best way to introduce a new listener, the wrestling fan in your life, to maybe bite-sized nuggets of something to wrestle so they're not so intimidated by our run times, well, tell them about YouTube youtube.com forward slash something to wrestle uh and with that bruce we're uh we're gonna bring it to a close man thank you so much for the time today i'm glad we got to talk about miss elizabeth and i can't wait to talk about survivor series 92 next week me too and i thank you it's, it's nice to talk to you last last week was more fun when we got a bash fish off we'll do it again next week I don't okay all right we'll see you guys next week right here on something to wrestle with bruce pritchard Rock on! John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.